and welcome to Church for the Cities podcast in Yuma, Arizona with lead pastor Tyrone P. Jones. Our mission is for people to encounter the reality and presence of God. For sermon videos and next steps, visit us at ctcfamily.com. Now join us for the message. Amen. Now we have um, uh, elections coming up. Probably most of you, maybe many of you have already voted. Uh, numbers seem to be pretty skyrocketing on the number of people that have voted early. If you haven't voted yet, I encourage you to do so. Uh, I, I, it's a right for us to do on the one hand, but I also believe it's a way for us as a people of God to give our voice to what we believe is good uh, for the land, what's good for, uh, for our nation. I also always encourage you to vote according to biblical and theological lines, things that are right in the Word of God, things that are right for the people of God, things that we believe are important. And, and with that, there is a few. The, the protection of uh, unborn babies in the womb, that's a, that's a very important issue and a very biblical issue. Uh, we believe in the freedom, freedoms as, as citizens, freedoms for, uh, for many things, from bearing arms to freedom of speech, even the freedom to gather as a church body and proclaim the Lord. Uh, I believe it's important when we vote that we vote knowing that the Supreme Court picks our people that we believe is right to also protect life, uh, uphold the Constitution, uh, the rights of citizens. We want safe neighborhoods, so we want to pray in the support uh, of the protection of of, uh, officers, law enforcement people, public servants. The Bible says that they are appointed by God, and, uh, and we, we want, want to stand with that. Equal opportunity, equal empowerment, justice for all, that's important to us. Prison reform is important for us. Any policy that puts an end to human trafficking, whether it be sex trafficking, even uh, unfortunately the trafficking of people who've come across the borders in many ways, we don't want those folks' lives all ruined and wrecked and, and, uh, and, and destroyed be, because of that. We, we want to put an end to all forms of human trafficking and exploiting of people's lives. And I also believe this, it's important to vote and support someone who supports Israel. Israel is God's chosen people. And, uh, and so those things are important. I'm not going to tell you who, who I vote for. You probably already know. Uh, you already know who I vote for because you know what I won't uh, support. Uh, at the same time, though, I, I, I do want to tell you this. You don't vote on feelings or personality. You vote on what's good for us as a people. Now, let me tell you, one of these mornings, because they probably won't settle this on Tuesday, but one of these mornings, 50% of the country going to wake up mad. I almost said another word. Uh, 50% of the country going to wake up upset. It's, it's, it's about where it's going. Let me tell you something. If, if, if it goes any way that whatever you want to go, uh, just get your madness out as soon as you can. Get yourself together and go out there and be a believer. Go out there and be a Christian. We still, when it's all said and done, the one who is our king and ruler, he's still on the throne. There's no votes being cast for him. He's the one that's sovereign over all, and he's coming back for us all. Now, I got a feeling this election can maybe even stir Jesus to say, let's go get him right now. And if he does, that's fine and dandy. (laughs) That's fine and dandy. But if he doesn't come and God give us life, guess what? Next Sunday morning, 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., we gather right here in the house of God 
and we going forth to do the will of God. Amen? All right, 2 Chronicles, if you'll stand for just a moment, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 through 15. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 through 15. Just two verses, three verses. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm gonna gonna, uh, just work quickly uh, through what's in this passage that I won't be covering today, but we've addressed it in so many ways in the last two um, uh, sermons, because there, there are some promises here, but those promises, he talked about the contingency of them or what we're to do to embrace those promises, and he talked about humbling ourselves. Uh, we, we shared that uh, in the first or second week of, of being people. Humbling ourselves in this case obviously means to surrender the pride of uh, m- ourselves being the ones who can make things right and uh, get things done and really humble ourselves to realize that we need our God to help us, that, uh, that we can be people who believe in God and yet live Godless if we don't submit ourselves to Him. And so it's that humbleness, that humility that's there, but also seeking Him, pursuing God, um, going after Him, um, searching for those ways in life that always lead you to Him seeking and pursuing him. Uh, James chapter 4, it's a a verse that'll be on the screen. It says this, verses 7 through 10, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Without going into a whole lot, that's a good, that's a good line to remember, because the devil can get on everybody's back. But, but the word says this, just resist him. He'll leave you alone. Just resist them. Somehow or another, we always get caught up in entertaining the devil, whether it be in our thoughts, whether it be in what we say, and whether it be our behavior. We just sometimes, we know it's the devil, and we'll do something, and he thinks, oh, 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 I like what you just said, so I'm just going to stick around a little bit. Just resist the booger. He'll go. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then here's the, here's the opposite. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. I love that. If you, if you don't entertain the devil, he'll leave you alone. But if you come close to God, he'll come close to you. I should be able to do an altar call with just that. Seriously. Seriously. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. So it's that seeking, that, that pursuing. And then we talked about prayer. Now, I, I primarily focused on intercession. And, uh, and that was important. And, and I'm glad you got it. Uh, many of you, I, I, I think, was blessed by the message. If you didn't catch it, you can listen to it on the app or go back and watch it because we need to stand in the gap and pray for people. But prayer has some just amazing effects. Just prayer itself, even when it's not intercession, just seeking God. Uh, James 5.16 says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I love it. The earnest prayer, uh, it has some power and produces some results. I was reading a book, almost finished with the book by a gentleman by the name of Mike Maiden, 
pastors a great church in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and he'll, he'll be with us next year by the, by the grace of God. But in his book, he was, he was, uh, it was a section he was talking about prayer, and, uh, and this very passage about the, the prayer of a righteous man and what, what God does. But the story was they were doing a, a gift uh, where they give gifts to children for Christmas. And so they had gave out 250 uh, tickets, I think, per se. And so they bought 250 gifts and they separated them in the area where people would come, the children would come, boys and girls. Well, then when they opened the doors, though, even though they gave out tickets for only 250 children to come in their area, when they opened the door, they saw it was way more than 250. So somebody went out there and started counting them, and they were at 700 children. They only had 250 gifts. So they come and tell Pastor Maiden, man, it's 700 children out there, and it's people still coming. We only got 250 gifts. He said he panicked a little bit. He thought, man, where can I get gifts? It's too late to try to go to Walmart and gather up a bunch of gifts. He went into his office to see if any gifts people had given him, he could at least use those. And he said when he, all he could focus on was a stapler on his desk, he thought that probably ain't a pretty good gift. We're just going to have to pray. So he ran out, told intercessors, I just need y'all to pray. We got to get started giving out gifts. So the intercessors began to pray. They started giving out gifts. And he says, as they kept giving gifts, the pile never got empty. And they kept giving and they kept giving and they kept giving. He said, when it was all said and done, they gave out over 800 gifts and catch this, 250 gifts was still left. Now I'm telling you, you may not believe God can do it, but I am a witness. My God will hear your prayer. Can you say amen? And so Ephesians 6, 18 says, never stop praying. Never stop praying, especially for others. Always pray by the power of the Spirit. Stay alert and keep praying for God's people. Can you say amen to that? So now the, the, the message here in, in 2 Chronicles, it's pointing toward that, uh, toward prayers, uh, but pointing toward what God wants to do for his people. It really is, it really is speaking to those who do know the Lord and who do love the Lord and who are followers of uh, of God. It's really pointing that direction. And, and I, I just want you uh, to get this. And uh, hopefully I won't rock your theology that much. But, but the, the, the truth of it is, is this. There is a benefit to being a person that loves the Lord. There's a benefit to that. There's, there's a benefit. There's promises in the Bible that are only made to people who have a relationship with God only made with people who have a relationship uh, with God. So it's important to understand the distinction between God's love and God's goodness that he exercises to his people. So, so for example, we do know that God loves everyone. God loves everyone. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So, so there is a love that God has that is indeed for everyone, a love that goes out. Uh, the, the character of God is that God is love. That's the very nature of him. 1 John 4, 8 and 1 John 4, 16 both says that, that God is love. So love from him to all mankind is a part of his nature, his character, what he does. And that's seen in how he oftentimes exercises his goodness to all men, uh, all people. Uh, Matthew 5, 45 says this, for he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. So people 
will see the goodness of God by having the ability to, to, to experience the light of day. And, and the, to finish this, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. The reason that language is so important because they're in, a, they're in the ag community that Jesus is living in. And every person that's in farming knows water is important and sun is important. So, the, so, so Jesus is saying, listen, God is a God that loves. He loves and he does exercise goodness oftentimes to everyone, and the witness is even good people and evil people see the sunlight, good people and evil people can experience rain. Is y'all, that making sense so far? Uh, Acts 14, 16 through 17 says this, in the past, he permitted all the nations to go, on, go their own ways. All the nations, the division of nations we find in Genesis chapter 11. After the Tower of Babel, people began to separate, and that's how we see how nations that we have now it started right there at the Tower of Babel. People were allowed to go in their various places and establish their own lands. But watch this. But he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. So no matter what nations have began where, God is saying there was always an evidence with every nation and every people group of my goodness. I always left them with a witness and of that. For instance, he sends you rain, good crops, and gives you joy uh, food and a joyful heart. And so, so, so that is an element of God's love, of God's goodness that is ex- experienced by all. Now, I want you to catch this though. Everything that anybody has that is good, no matter what it is, it came from God. The, the, the spouse that you're next to, which you got a good one, don't need to try to be leaving her and don't be leaving him. You got a good one. Turn to the one you're sitting next to and say, I, I got a good one. I might have just done some good marriage counseling right there. <laughs> Somebody needed to hear that. But, but, but wh- whoever you're with, whatever car you get in, whatever house you got, whatever paycheck you get, whatever's in your bank account, whatever you experience with the mobility of your limbs, all of that comes from God because God is the creator of everything that we experience, right? Everything, everybody on the planet, whatever they have that's good came from him. James 1.17 says, whatever's good and perfect is a good gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. So everything uh, that God, that we receive is good. But now there is a distinction though. There's a distinction uh, between the affirmed love of God to all mankind and the exercise of God's goodness to all people and the explicit goodness of God that's just for his people, just for his people. Uh, there, there, there is an, a goodness of God that is only promised to those that love him and that know him. Now watch this. Uh, let, me give you, let me give you two verses. One is Psalm 84, 11. It says, for the Lord God is a son and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those that walk uprightly. Now, I, I, if I was to spend more time there, I, I would just want to really whisper into your ear, believer, there is nothing that you need that's good for you that you will not have. Are you hearing me? Because God says he does not withhold no good thing. So if there's something that you believe you should have that you don't have, you got to believe that God has a gooder 
for me. Is that not, that's, I went to Yuma High School, that's in the dictionary now. There is a good that God has for you, and it's probably gooder than what you think you need and what you're sitting there moaning about. Nothing good does he withhold from you. So does God love everyone? Yes. He shows mercy and kindness to all. Does God love Christians more than he loves non-Christians? No. Not, not, regard, not in regard of his merciful love. No, he doesn't love Christians more uh, at all. But does God's love and goodness for Christians, can it be distinct and different from those that are non-Christians? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the Bible is real clear on it. Let me just give you one verse on that and we'll move on. And we quote it all the time, but sometimes I think we miss it. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So hear me, that promise of that goodness is only to those who love him people who know him. So if you got an unbeliever, a family member, somebody that's not walking with Jesus and life is going awry, something goes bad, I, I don't say to people in that condition and say, hey, don't worry about it. It's all going to work together for good. There's no Bible for that. There's no promise for that. You cannot tell people who do not have a loving relationship with God that everything they're going through is going to turn for the good. It may not. And if they stay away from God, it will not. It does not have a good ending. Uh, y'all follow me on this. So there is an exercise and explicit goodness to the people of God who love him and know him. And here's the promise that everything in your life, no matter what it is, it is going to work for the good. You ought to shout hallelujah on that one. You ought to shout hallelujah. And so when we look at this passage, when we go back to it, that's what God is saying here. He's saying here that, listen, all of us will experience plagues, pandemics, death, disease, famine, natural disasters, loss, pain, and death. All of us will experience that, be surrounded by, it, uh, affected by it in one sense or another. But the Lord is saying this, though. When we go through those things, there is a manner in how we can, what's, what's not going well can be reversed in our life and become good for us. Are y'all following me on this? It says it right here in verse number 14, well, 13, it says, when I shut up the heavens, when there's no rain, locusts and send pestilence, etc. If my people are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And then he gives these promises. And, and here's, here is the thing, and let me, let me address these promises because he gives, he gives three. He gives three promises of those who seek him, humble themselves, and turn. Listen, he says, You're gonna, I'm going to hear from heaven. Hearing from heaven means this. God is going to hear us. He's in heaven, so from his place in heaven, he's going to hear us pray. Don't ever think that God doesn't hear your prayers. He hears you. He always hears you. In heaven, For when we call out to him, he hears us. Isaiah 65, 24 says, even before they call, I will answer. I love this. While they are still speaking, I will hear. God just, listen, he's sovereign. Now, I want you to understand this, just so you understand the sovereignty of God. 
God is able to do things in your life that you never ask him for because he's sovereign. He's God. He's got all right. He's got all authority. And sometimes, to be honest with you, those of us that are children, we don't even know what's good for us anyway. So sometimes God just does good because Tyrone ain't got enough sense to even ask me for something good. I'm just going to give it to him. He's a sovereign God. There's some things God intervenes in that you never prayed about or never prayed against, and he just intervened. Some of y'all are not married to folks that you thought you were supposed to marry or wanted to marry because God said, I, I ain't even letting this happen, and just intervened and fixed it, right? Because he's, he's sovereign. I, 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 I want to tell another joke, but, but it may not. Some of y'all didn't want to marry the person you married to, but God said, uh-huh, this one going to happen. <laughs> this one going to happen, right? Because he's sovereign. But then there's this other element, though, where God does tell us that there are some things that come because of prayer. So we got to let God be sovereign and do what he does and also be obedient to prayer because God uses prayer to exercise what he sovereignly wants to do in our life. Y'all all right with that? And so he hears from heaven. The second thing that he does, the second promise is that forgiveness. Of course, the emphasis here in this passage is meaning somewhere down the line, especially the people of Israel here, people got off, got off track and, uh, and maybe just maybe walked away from God or wasn't in, in the prayer for Solomon, they weren't upholding their end of the covenant. They weren't upholding their end of the bargain. They weren't staying faithful to the worship to God. But he still promises, though, when you, when you humble yourself and you, and you seek my face and you pray, you turn, then I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, hear, from, hear, hear you, and I'm also going to forgive you. Now, listen, forgiveness is the very thing that we all need. Now, can I just tell you this, and I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. Whenever I go see people that are in terminal condition, whether it be somebody say, Pastor, will you go pray for my grandfather or uncle? One of the things you'll always hear me ask people, do they know the Lord? Because I'm going to tell you why. When I go see folks in those conditions, I'm going to ask them about their relationship with Jesus because here's the thing. You can be healed and still go to hell. Hell is not a bad word. It's in the Bible. You can be healed and still go to hell. But I'm telling you right now, I'd rather have my sins forgiven. If that means I die with a disease, but my sins are forgiven, I'll take that any day. I'll take that any day. Forgiveness of sins is what we need. We need forgiveness of sins. And the scripture says, listen, it says Acts 13, 38. Brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Amen. Through Jesus and only through Jesus. Muhammad can't do it. Buddha can't do it. None of these other folks can do it. Allah can't do it. Only Jesus, which, which really brings me to a, a, just a real Simple little thought. Why in the world would you trust somebody to forgive you for their sins who died and never got up? Just, just a thought. Just a thought. I think I trust the one that said, hey, I'm going to take, take you up on your sins and I'm going to rise again so that you can have forgiveness. That would be the one I would put my money on. Ephesians 1, 6 and 7 says, so we praise God for his glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And so he's promising this. You, you, you hear me on this. 
and, and, and I'm going to hear you when you pray. I'm going to forgive your sins, and I'm going to heal the land. Now, this is what we know about healing. Psalm 103.3 says this, he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Sometimes people get caught up here because all of us know people that have had a disease and we've prayed for God to heal them and they didn't get healed in our eyes. On this side of, of, of heaven, on this side. But, but here is the thing, the, 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 the promise of God healing is not that every disease that someone gets will be healed. The promise is that if there is any healing that's going to be done, it's me that does it. The same God that says I forgive sins is the same God that heals. And so for us as believers, we always contend for healing and we go to God. We thank God for the medical community, but I ain't praying to no doctor. I'm only praying to the Lord God Almighty who's able to work through the medical community. But it's the Lord that heals. It's, 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 it's this simple issue. There's two things that can take us out of here, physical death and spiritual death. And Jesus, spiritual death comes from sin. Physical death comes from diseases that may affect our body. And the Lord is saying basically this, I'm the one that's able to stop physical death, and I'm also the one able to stop spiritual death. It's the Lord that does that through forgiveness and through healing. I was reading, uh, whenever I was putting this sermon together, and there was a commentary, actually, uh, yeah, that referred to a professor by the name of Dwight Pentecost, which I think is one of the coolest names on the planet. Uh, man, man, what's your name? Tyrone Pentecost Jones. Wouldn't that be <laughs> wonderful? Got stuck with something else, but Pentecost would have been more desirable. But anyway, so uh, Dwight Pentecost is a teacher at, at uh, was, he's passed away, Dallas Theological uh, Baptist Seminary, and he told his students that um, his wife was going to go in for some treatments for, uh, they thought she had some form of a cancer. He asked the students to pray, and uh, sure enough, they, they prayed, and he came back whatever days later and told the students that it was negative, that there was no cancer. There was a sigh of relief from the students. And some of the students shouted out, God is good, which he certainly was grateful for what happened. But then he said, now listen, I need to talk to you all about this. I noticed that some of you shouted out God is good based on the fact that it was negative. But I want you to know, if it was positive, guess what? God is still good. God is still good. And there's a whole lot of folks that's experienced the goodness of God, maybe not here on physical healing on earth, but if they knew the Lord Jesus Christ, I can assure you right now, they have no desire to come back to this life and this earth because they're experiencing the goodness of the almighty God. Can you say amen? amen. But Jesus is saying, the scriptures are saying, Jesus is saying that he's the one though, that forgives sin and heals. This is, one of my, I, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because I just love how Jesus psychologically messed up their mind. It's in Matthew chapter 9. And this is a passage where there was a fellow who was, a, who was paralyzed. And he had some friends who were very concerned about him being healed. And they knew that Jesus was going around healing people. And he was, Jesus had already went to a house that he was at, I think Mary and Martha's. People was gathered around him. They got word that Jesus was, was at that house. So they get their, their friend with, with, uh, that's paralyzed and they take him to where Jesus is. Well, when they get there, there's a big crowd all around so they can't get to him. So they, they get an idea to go up on 
the roof. While I'm saying this, how many of you have watched the series, The Chosen? It's, it's so good. They illustrate this one very well too, but so I, I encourage you to check it out. But anyway, so they, so they open up the roof and drop the paralytic guy in. Now watch this, listen to this. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child, my sins are, your sins are forgiven. What? Nobody said nothing about no sins. The man is paralyzed, Jesus. Did you miss that? Show him, Billy. Move. <laughs> He's paralyzed. Nobody said nothing about no sins. The religious leaders, they saw this and said, this is blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking. He asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? Catch this. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So now Jesus says, I'm going to show you I got the authority to forgive sins. So he turns to the man and says, stand up and walk. Now, now did y'all catch that? This is what Jesus is saying. If you think all I'm about is just healing your body, you got that wrong. I'm more concerned about forgiving your sins. And if you think I'm just about forgiving your sins, you got that wrong because I'm concerned about healing your body. But here's the good news. Since I'm Jesus, I can do both. I can do both. And so here is part of what God wants to do, but here's what it comes down to. It comes down to the turning, the turning. Listen to this. He says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then it's in the turning. Now, now, sometimes you, get, you might get caught up on, on wicked and you might get caught up on evil and you might be sitting there thinking, well, I, I don't know, I'm not wicked. I'm not evil. The things I've done aren't wicked and they aren't evil. But, but I want you to understand the language. First of all, turning means just this. If, you, if you're going in one direction, it's the same word we use for repentance. It means to turn around and go back the other way, right? Turn around and go back the other way. In this particular case, the turning is it, to turn away from the direction you're going toward God, right? When it comes to that, it doesn't matter what evil, wicked, or sin that you're doing. Sin is not the issue there. Sin is part of the issue, but it's not the issue. Anytime you're walking away from God, you're going in an evil, wicked direction. You're going away from him. So it's not a matter of what sins you do or what sins you haven't done or what the sins are. For, for me, just so you get this, whenever I deal with people who don't have a relationship with God, they may tell me what they're doing, but their sins aren't the issue to me. This, I'm not trying to deal with your symptoms. I'm trying to deal with the root of it. And the root of it is that I'm walking away from God. And whenever I'm walking away from God, sure, it could be drugs or it could be alcohol or it could be promiscuity. It could be any of that. Or it could be pride or it could be gluttony. It could be arrogance. It doesn't matter. You're walking away from God. You're going in a track that's some poor, contemptible decisions. 
actions and attitudes and beliefs and processing that's taking you farther and farther away from God. So here's what he's saying. If you want to receive these promises of healing, if you want to receive the promises of me hearing you, if you want to receive these promises of me forgiving, somewhere down the line while you're walking farther and farther away from me, something has got to tell you, wait a minute. I got to make a turn and go toward the one who is the healer, who is the forgiver, and who is the one that hears me from heaven. Am I talking to the right church? It's in the turning, turning back to God. That's the message we got for folks. We're not trying to pick bad fruit off the tree just so the tree can look good. We want to get to the root of the issue so what comes out of that tree is good fruit. And so we're calling people to turn back to the Lord. Y'all doing all right? Team, I'm about ready to wrap this up because here's what what happens. There's three benefits to this turning, three things that takes place besides the promises. But but, but the Scripture is real clear to us that when we turn, it opens the way for us to salvation. When we turn, it opens the way for us for salvation. There is no salvation without turning to the Lord. Now, somebody may ask the question, what comes first, faith or repentance? Faith or repentance, it ain't even a struggle for me. Faith always comes first. Because listen, you will never have the ability to turn to the Lord if somewhere down the line you don't get a faith in the Lord. Now, is it a faith for salvation? Is it a faith for miracles? It's just a belief that you know there is a God that's calling you. And hear this. This is why I always say, before you gave your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God was already jacking up your life. He was already messing with you. You were already sensing something is wrong in my life. You didn't know what it was. Something is calling me. You didn't know who it was. Something is dealing with me. You don't know what was dabbling in your life, but the Spirit of God was already working in you. And one day you heard the gospel and said, I got it. I got it. I got it. It's Jesus. And you turn. So so it opens the way of salvation in Acts chapter 2. Wonderful passage. It's on the day of Pentecost. And, and here we got uh, 3,000 people that were gathered for the Feast of Pentecost. And the Bible called them devout people. Don't miss that. Devout people mean they were pretty holy. They were doing some things that was good. You know, people couldn't find a whole lot of air in their life. Devout people. I mean, just people who you look at them and say, man, they just some good living people. And all my life, I, the Lord knows, my, my dear wife knows, I always try to do good. Ain't nobody ever called me devout, but I'm working on it. But devout people. And 120 folks in this room, the Spirit of God comes and falls on them. They begin to pray. They begin to prophesy. They begin to speak with other tongues. The miracle was when they were speaking with other tongues, when the Spirit of God filled that room, the folks that were out in that crowd, 3,000 folks out in that crowd from all different nationalities, when the people were speaking in other tongues, they were able to understand what they were saying. God miraculously put that language in those folks and they're declaring the goodness of God. In that prophetic, and uh, uh, glossoleo is the word, that proclamation through tongues, those 3,000 folks said, wait a minute, are those folks talking about the Jesus that we just crucified? And so Peter stands up and he begins to preach. 
And he says, listen, and he tells them about the coming Messiah, which they knew. And he told them these are the evidences of the Messiah, which they knew. And then he said, this is what Jesus did. And they're thinking, oh man, he did do that. He did do that. He did do that. And he went on to say, even what you're experiencing now is a witness of the Messiah has come and has already risen from the dead. So they hear all of that. And then Peter slams it home and says, listen, the one whom you crucified, was in that ground for three days and three nights that rose up from the dead, that is the Jesus, the Lord, and the Christ, the Messiah. They hear that and get so convicted that, they're, that they had turned from the Lord and was part of the process of crucifying, and they said, what shall we do? And that's where Acts 2.38 comes in, which is the passage that's on the screen for you to see. Peter declares unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you. You following that? What, what happens when I realize that I need to surrender my life to Jesus? You turn. You don't keep going in the same direction and say, Jesus, I just, just come on and help me. No, 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 no. You turn. You turn and, and run back to him. And I can assure you, he's there waiting for you. He's there waiting for you with open arms. You turn and go back to Jesus and you be baptized. Now catch this. It's not baptism that brings about the salvation. You can get baptized so many times every tadpole in the creek knows your name. That ain't the issue. It's not the baptism, but here is what it is. Since I've turned to Jesus now and committed my life to him, I want to be identified as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you become water baptized. If you've given your life to Jesus and haven't get baptized, then you need to get out there to connection and get yourself baptized. And then the scripture says this, then he's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God living in you. That is the result of the turning. But it doesn't stop there because there's a refreshing that comes. And, and I think all of us know, I, I think, if, if we'll be honest, as much as, and I'm probably one of the most holy, sanctified people in here, as much as, as much as, 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 much as, as much as we all try to live right, there's moments and there's days when we, we just, don't do so good. Isn't that right, Sister Jones? There's days that we just don't do so good. And, and, and here's what can happen. We can get caught up in whatever's going on in our head or coming out of our mouth or our actions, our behavior. We can get caught up in some worldly ways and some worldly thinking and some worldly attitudes and some behaviors. We can get caught up in some pollution and some and corruption. And, and, it, and honestly, it restricts us. It stops us up. It's, it's like, listen, with all the different illnesses that I have, I'm going to tell you the worst thing that drives my mind, drives me crazy is when my nose is stopped up. When I can't, when you can't breathe properly, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. And, and basically we get stopped up where we're not breathing that freshness and newness of God. But here's what happens in, in Acts 3, I think it's 19 and 20. You should be able to see this on the screen. It says there's a repentance that comes. He says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Watch this. The times of refreshment will come in the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus. Again. And, and, and the word refreshing, I love it because it really does illustrate your nostrils being opened up. So when we, when, we, when we start for whatever reason, not walking in the direction that we should and get all stopped up, the Lord says, turn to me. I'm going to open up your nostrils. 
so that you may breathe freely in the presence of God once again. It's that turning, that turning brings about refreshing. And here's the last thing, it's that it's a good life. Turning is a good life. You'll see this on the, on the screen. I, 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 I can tell you, let, let me tell you this. I don't know anybody, no matter what your dreams are, no matter what your hopes are, no matter what your vision is, I don't know anybody that doesn't want a good life. Everybody wants a good life. Look at what the scripture says about the good life. Listen, look at what it says here. Let me read it on my deal here. Scripture, the scripture says this, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord will watch over those who do right. You want a good life? Turn. You want to enjoy the goodness of God? Turn. You want to have peace in your life? Turn. You want to be full of joy? Turn. It comes in the turning. In the turning is the promise to us as believers that God will give us a life that we enjoy. I don't know nobody in here that won't say, give me some of that. Give me some of that. Everybody stand if you would. Take out your elements of communion. Now, you, normally, I would, I would suggest, and, and I'll do the same now, I would suggest to you, if you're holding these elements in your hand, which represents the body of the Lord that was broken for us and the blood of Jesus that was shed for us, you're indicating that I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins. That's the indication you're giving. If you haven't made that commitment to the Lord, then I need you to hear me. What Christ has done for our life, what he has done for your life, that your sins might be forgiven, we identify it when we take the Lord's Supper or communion or Eucharist, depends on what background you come from. And we're indicating when I do this, I'm affirming that I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. If you're here, I don't want you to walk away and not be able to take it. I don't want you to walk away and not be able to take it. If you're here and you hold it in your hand, I want you to be able to join in and celebrate what Jesus has done for you. But, but right now, if that's you, if that's you that, that, that are here, if that's you that's watching, and you're preparing to take communion and you haven't made that commitment, you can turn right now. You can turn right now and say, Jesus, I'm accepting you as my Lord and Savior. And you can celebrate with the rest of us as we enjoy, uh, rejoice that Jesus has died for us and our sins are forgiven and we have eternal life. That's for you that's watching, that's for you here in the house. So I'm gonna pray. Those of you that know the Lord, it's an affirmation. It's an affirmation. You're celebrating what you know Jesus have done Listen, you, 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 you might have just walked in here and you have more on your mind what you've done wrong than what you've done right. I'm telling you right now, my God has wiped away that sin. You might as well celebrate what he's done. You can celebrate it. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you believe that my Jesus died on the cross for my sins, right now today you can celebrate. Right now today you can turn. Right now today you can become a believer. Father as we hold these elements in our hand. 
Lord, we know they only represent the broken body that was so damaged and wounded and torn for us. You took up on our sins and upon that cross, you were beaten for our sins. What we hold in our hand, Lord God, just represents the blood, the blood that you shed. When that blood was shed, it was a declaration that all of our sins have been washed away. Your death, the shedding of that blood uh, indicates to us all of our sins have been paid for. And fathers, we hold these elements, I pray, whoever's in this house, whoever's watching, whoever's listening, if they're holding those elements, Lord God, today, if they haven't made that commitment, let them make that commitment. Let them say it out of their mouth, Jesus is my Lord. Today they begin a new life. Let the turning take place in their life. For those who know you, Lord God, let it be an affirmation of who Christ is to us. It's in his name we pray. May you say amen. Let's eat together. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah.